episode of Roma Happens Podcast, episode, I think, 10. We fucking hit double digits. I'm pretty sure we hit actually triple digits in listeners at this point, which is weird because we're not trying to get listeners. Triple digits? How? Like, Uh, all total or just we finally hit triple digits for one episode? I think it was one episode. I don't remember. I looked at at it like last week. Oh. Um, my name is Greaves, joined by Charizard's Rage here again with the voice changer. <laughs> and this is a very, very, very special episode. Uh, every episode is special in its own way, especially the last one uh, with Ben. But today we actually get to talk to one of the people that um, maybe has the best insight on, on, on Rome I've seen <laughs> on the internet. And uh, nobody's heard from him for a years now um because i'll get into that i guess uh wayne from chiesa de totti and i'm not sure if you post anywhere else i'm not sure if you have twitter but that's where i know you from and uh, you were the dude who would write comments analyzing roma larger than the articles themselves um how are you doing man where have you been all these years no, I'm great. I'm great. Uh, and I suppose where I've been is I've been taking care of my mental health from all the trauma of supporting Roma. Uh, <laughs> it's been a good detox. Uh, at least, at least we're not Tottenham fans. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like that's the thing. It could always be worse. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think uh, at least Roma has killed the necessary bit, bit of hope in us that our expectations have gradually reduced. Whereas when you still have expectation of something grander than life, yeah, it can be a lot more disappointing. Yeah. Um, funny you should say that. That's how we've been feeling about Roma. We have zero expectations. Whereas um, there is this new generation of fans, of Roma fans, who believe that Roma is about to turn the corner and after every single game. We lose to Cremonese twice in a row. Roma is about to turn the corner, guys. We're two points away. We're two points out of fourth. It's fine. Everything is great. We're gonna. I'm like, how? How are you this optimistic? It's eight months into the season, for fuck's sake. What? But uh, apparently, those fans are kind of right now. I don't know. So um, I wanted to ask you. I remember your post when we signed Jose Mourinho. Yeah. If you don't mind me, kind of paraphrasing, you said. Being also a United fan, uh, you don't want to go through what uh, Jose did to United with Roma again. <laughs> that it was a nightmare scenario for you and that you hated his football and uh, that you're going to be taking hiatus from Roma until he's gone. And then that was literally the last thing you posted on Chiazuritati. Is that actually true? Is that what you did? Are you not just not watching Roma games anymore? Like, what happens? Uh, yeah, pretty much. So what normally happens is, uh, you know, like, I used to have my week scheduled around Roma games. Mm-hmm. They were, like, the what made it all worthwhile. Like, the, and when it just became repeatedly, like, this trauma, like, your week all is, ends in sadness. And then Jose Marina comes, right? And I'm sure, you know, a lot of us all, older Roma fans, and it's weird to think that I'm now one of the older Roma fans from, like, the generation from Capello, Totti, and them. Part of why it was great following that 
that whole decade of football, whether or not we're good or whether or not we're contending, is the quality of the football, right? It all is far different than anything that anyone else was watching. And so there was a joy that you'd find regardless of the results because you're, you felt like you were watching art, even if it went spectacularly wrong. And now you're watching the team lose, but you're watching them lose in a boring way. And then you bring in a coach. And I have so much respect for Marina as a coach in terms of what he's done his career. There's a difference between what he does and actually viewing the product. And knowing that the little bit that was left in Roma, since we're not going to contend, we're not going to do anything, at least we can still see the art of it. And he was going to come and completely rip that last bit apart. It then just felt like this should not be the thing that I'm looking forward to at the end of the week or, you know, every three days. Uh, because then you can really start to feel like life is bleak, regardless of whether or not it is. Because of one yeah. team that you support. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> it's funny because now in the second half of the season, when Roma was having the whole breakdown, I yeah. was watching the games and kind of laughing because I was desperate and angry and upset and sad and depressed and all of the negative emotions you can have in like October and November. And I was like, there is no hope. This is horrible. This season is just disaster. There is no changing it. This is this is Eusebio de Francesco again. This is like we're not playing football. We concede one goal per game and then struggle to do anything else. That's Roma games. And um, I got over it by like January. And then in the second half of the season, I was just kind of be laughing and people started coming to the same realizations. <laughs> so now it's like I'm enjoying it, people suffering because it's like yeah. it's not it's not Schadenfreude. It's just this is what I've been feeling five months ago, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, like it reminds me of the Chiesa to Totti days. You know, like uh, when you're younger, there's this like great satisfaction you'd have because you'd see things early and first of all, you're pissed off because no one else can see it. So you seem like you're crazy. And then yeah. by the time everyone gets around to it, you know, instead of being like, oh, look, this is this terrible thing that happened. You get joy with being right. But yeah, the more you do it, and the more it's like just a cycle of like extreme emotions, uh, and you all kind of baseline at the end, it it just starts to suck, right? So you're like, ah. What sucks yeah. more is that everything you've had, all of the ideas, all of the criticism, and everything, it's like it's so far behind you. It's you don't want to repeat those things. You don't want to argue. You don't want to talk to people and discuss this, these things anymore because you spent like a month defending yourself and you just gave up. And then later you're like, yeah, uh, yeah I was right. So I, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. It's it's so so weird with Roma. So do you do you actually watch games nowadays or are you just done until the show? No, so I, I don't. So I, I normally try and watch a bit of every game, mm-hmm. but I'll put it in the background whilst I'm doing something else, or I'll like switch it off after about 10-15 minutes if I see that the vibe of the game is still the same way. You know, so you basically miss those two attacks per game we have. You just see yeah. us defending. <laughs> I mean, there are times when I'm lucky enough to like skip to, to the final third of the pitch sometimes. Uh, <laughs> nothing happens, but yeah. Uh, I'm also very unlucky because, you know, like I always, you know, I, I don't do the whole, 
used to put on the uh, the game about five minutes before, take in what's happening in the crowd, get yourself all emotional before the game starts. Now I'm just like, oh, oh the game started 15 minutes ago. Uh, let me check how they're going. Oh, 2-0. Okay, that means we're not going to attack anything. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. it. Was it, Char, was it the Empoli game recently? We won like 2-0 and then it was two headers in the first, I don't know, 10 minutes of the game. Yeah. And then literally nothing happened the rest of the game. Like literally nothing, not a single chance for anyone. Yeah, that's how it's been recently is like um, we score a goal or somehow we score two goals. Those games are weird. But we get a goal and then Mourinho's like, okay, back to playing absolute shithousery football. We're going to park the bus. Sub the if ball out get... quick. It's twenty five minutes in. Yeah. Well, you got to sub the ball out anyway because he's a glass cannon. Because we have to save his legs and protect him at all costs. Yeah, Dude, I will... The worst Sorry. part is it's not even like a lie. I mean, so uh, yeah. Anyway, I was watching this the the, the Feyenoord game and I was screaming like for the ball to stop shooting so that he doesn't get injured. It was like a hundred and fifteenth minute and he's shooting like don't get injured. <laughs> Yeah, but, but it's, it's, he takes a shot and it's like it's injury. It's, it's a doctor or whatever. You know why he like holds so much importance over and above any effect he has on the on the scoreline uh, and the result. It's he's the only technical player we have at all. Only guy who has you know like above average technical skills. Ability to trap the ball, know exactly where it's going, shield it from players, and pick out the right pass or even in tight situations. The rest of them are, the rest of the team, they're just so far off that and off the, like the pinnacle of European soccer, and that hasn't been the case for, for a long time. So that's why this team. You, you, you don't think. You don't think Lorenzo Pellegrini is good? <laughs> oh, yeah, we're getting to the juicy stuff. <laughs> for for yeah. the record, for the record, I've been saying for about uh, I don't know a year now that I really want Pellegrini gone because my opinion of him is he might have some technical quality, but he needs a coach who's going to develop him. Captain, he is not because every time we concede a goal, he's just walking away, just looking into the crowd, doesn't care, like. Totti used to do that, but then Totti mm. would take the game and then dominate it. Yeah, for the every aspect of it. Uh, yeah. And you know the weird thing is, I think I think I only wrote for Chiesa to Totti twice. Uh, and my debut, the first article I ever wrote was on Lorenzo. And it was a very optimistic post because, you know, there was <laughs> a promise of what he was meant to be, right? And he had all these qualities. He was his biggest Totti. He could use both his feet. Those trademark traits, you know, the back heels, the one-time passes, and the long shots. And you're thinking, yeah, everything else will fill in. This is going to be a special player because he can do the difficult things well already. But, my God, there was just nothing past that. Basic soccer skills just aren't there. And you really can't cover that up. He doesn't have basics. Like in June, he's twenty-seven. He is yeah. the same player he was when he arrived at Roma. Yeah. Like uh, slow to get rid of. Like I'm sorry, I actually want to hear your opinion on. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure I wrote about it so much since, right? Because 
and it's just it's weird because my initial take of him was I've listed all like the things that looked weak, but I thought surely that's just youth. You're gonna refine your game. These things are not this bad. Yeah, but do you remember a couple of things that you can list off right yeah, now? That, like you remember? Yeah, I mean, I, I still watch them now. It's uh, yeah. so the, the 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 there were two things. This is the the decision making thing, which you know you could kind of refine it, but he he lacks he lacks the athleticism, the agility, and the technical skills to be able to thrive in that advanced position, which has a lot less space. To then show off the skills that he does have, which you can't deny that he he can pick a pass out. He has great vision. He he can ride into the right spaces. His shooting is terrible, to be honest, for an advanced uh, player. But that's a different issue. But as a creator, he does have the ability to create and to be able to hit a ball with both feet. Uh, always see what's like in front of him and the daringness to try even a pass which looks stupid. But to be able to do that and to do it consistently, you have to be able to operate within a tight amount of space. His first touch is terrible. His ability to shield and protect the ball is terrible. His ability to make the simple artless pass and manipulate space fade out create easier passing lanes and also easier lanes to receive the ball. All of that is useless. Uh, and he has like the vision to see like these killer three balls, but the ability to just pro- progress the ball lacks. You know, the simple passes, he, he has to run the ball into space before laying it off, thereby bringing people in. So there's like intelligence in this game, but it's also a very dumb player. Yeah. Char, I don't know about you, but I'm getting PTSD from just listening to this. Every single counter Lorenzo has ever run. Yeah. Oh my god. We were watching the Feyenoord match, and he agrees was pointing out when Pellegrini had the ball, there was a couple times that he like actually, you know, assisted for key passes that ended up in goals or whatever, but Greers was like, he was laying on the ball for like two seconds too long. Mm. And it's like For no he, reason. he could have. There was a couple times like he personally could have shot or whatever, and he gave up for the extra pass. But he was like one on one with the goalkeeper, and he laid it off. And Grease was like, "Shoot the ball, it's okay." <laughs> and it's like it's kind of it's kind of good though because he did come full circle in the Feyenoord match because he missed that penalty in the first leg, and then he was able to score the final goal. It only took. 109 minutes, but he was able to wrap it up. I mean, the, the goal he scored, fantastic that he actually followed through on an attack. We've been missing that, but my god, a really bad pass, like late pass to Tammy. Uh, actually, no, it wasn't that, that goal, sorry. It was just the Tammy was being disastrous in the box. Instead of laying it off to Dybala, he tries to dribble through everyone and then shoots in one place where a goalkeeper can save it easily. Thank God Lorenzo followed it through, but like Dybala was just alone on the right side for about 10 seconds. Nobody cared to look at him. It's the same, like somehow the team is starting to pick up after after Lorenzo, where they hold the ball for way too long and don't know who to pass it to. They just have no idea what to do with it. 
and then they yeah. look up and like ah pass so the, the thing about that is rhythm right uh and it's, it's a weird thing to kind of describe uh but football matches have rhythms and teams have rhythms you know like tempo and pace it stops movement because you know 90 percent of football is movement and soccer is off ball movement and the best teams yeah. like Man City and them, or your old Barcelona's Bayern, they're able to manipulate that space. You know, it's not just about having the quickest, the strongest player, or whatever it is. It's how can you make the game seem simple? You can keep moving around off ball, and they, they keep doing that in a manner that where they can retain possession. But with Lorenzo, when you are always liable to lose the ball, or if you you are successful to forcibly create a, a an XP XA, you know, like an assist creating opportunity. Yeah. Then that off ball movement stops because the person who's controlling the game isn't controlling the game. They're playing for stats. Uh, and I can only make that run so many times if I know that I'm not going to get the ball. And so everyone starts delaying because you're all out of rhythm instead of you everyone getting a lot of touches continuously in house movement you, you know you don't keep the ball as much which is why i'm not even like mad at marino with this team i think once you decide building around uh, cristante lorenzo <laughs> you're inherently saying you're not a team that's going to be holding the ball creating or whatever you then have to double down in defense being a hard shell and then hopefully one of those key passes that are thread every every 10 minutes when we, we finally get the ball back will lead to a goal it's the only path to victory so the people that are clamoring for or another manager return to glory or whatever it just won't happen you could bring a like a pep or a manager who plays that way you give them this players there's nothing that's gonna happen <laughs> so so you don't think Tiago Mata is a savior <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know I've I've been I've been clamoring for Tiago Mata to take over next season because if he can do wonders with Bologna I want to see what he does with Cristante and Pellegrini yeah I, I mean I want Marino gone just so that we can dream towards that kind of team right uh, the thing is you know, a single manager doesn't c- control the transfer market in a way because yeah. the players always are lost. Uh, he has determined the direction. And we are doubling down on players that can't play football. And I, I'm being harsh, I'm using harsh words. Uh, but it's like this old relics, and Genie and Matic. And they were fun. Players, they're industrial players. You know, they're not the guys who crawled games. They're not the most technical. They're people who do well and complement talent. Yeah. Not we have no talent on our team. Genie was Genie was such a breath of fresh air because he was doing all the things that you mentioned. He was running into empty space. Yeah. He was suddenly finding himself in situations where nobody's ever seen Roma do anything all year long. He was like getting ball in open area nobody would would be there to cover him because people just didn't scout for that he was injured all season 
And everyone's like, holy crap, this guy is so good, we've missed him so much. And I'm thinking, this guy's kind of mediocre, but like, he's yeah. playing better than <laughs> the rest no, of our team. Having, uh, play with Rain, right? And I, yeah. I think that's the thing about Rain, that's so frustrating. If you ever watch his off-ball movement, particularly with attacking, someone else is going to play the key pass, or has the option to play that key pass, and you see his run. He, his run is so clumsy, he goes and runs to towards the striker and he's running in the same channel so bringing himself his man and an extra defender towards him and it just clunks up everything there's no idea how to listening relative to other players why having sound like genie seems so amazing because ugh. and i mean he is a very good player he reminds me he's like a uh, a more balanced version of niangolan Lots of energy running it. around. Just the smarter version, but without like the the back heel tackles and the thirty yarders. Yeah, without insanity. Yeah. But uh, so that's that's cool. Actually, you brought up a topic that I wanted to 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 touch on. Um, so if Jose actually stays next season because we get Champions League qualification. Doesn't that mean kind of attracting more of those older players who are not what it used to be and as you say relics, but wouldn't that be kind of a step towards playing actual normal football? Because those players would mostly play on their instinct and their own knowledge, which is kind of what Jose needs, right? He needs players who he doesn't need to coach. He just tells them, go score a goal and doesn't have to tell them where to move or how to move. Wouldn't that kind of make Roma look normal again? Your defense can be shit, but you'll manage. Your attackers can be shit, but then you'll get more out of them. And inversely, as long as you have a force in Lorenzo and Christoph into that team, it takes a bit of quality out of it. So are those all timers that you bring in to replace them? And can you do that? This is the club captain, the Italian national team player, the political ramifications of doing that. If not, then your transfer strategy is based around how do you complement them? Yeah. Yeah. And you can. Yeah. And so that's a bind I win. You know, when Conte was fired for Tottenham, I was like, I was probably the only Roma fan thinking, I really want Conte at Roma just because he would be the coach that comes in and says, I don't want to play Cristante and Pellegrini, sell them. Yeah. <laughs> He's the only coach who would actually have the boss to say that because he doesn't care. He would destroy the club, but at least we would get rid of them. Uh, again, that's just my view. <laughs> so yeah. why do you not like why do you not like Cristante <laughs> while we touched on Pellegrini? Because many people say that he's actually quite a useful player for Roma and that he's not that bad and he does his job and he always runs and he's always available. I was wondering if I can get a... Okay, so yeah. I think it's it's maybe if you look at it from... Uh, if you look at modern football and... Sorry, I, I coach as well, so like I... I mm-hmm. Like obviously delve a lot deeper into tactics and stuff like that. And you look for comparisons, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, they normally have two, two, two men with a, a number 10 or three man midfielder. 
And there are three different roles that are normally you normally see, right? It's a register, the guy who's a deepest, either a very good ball winner who can still move the ball and is very good with passes like Rodrigo Casemiro, or your registers, your curlers and stuff like that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And both those roles require some level of fluidity and intelligence. Most quickly, uh, you can batch if you're very good positionally. Then you have your number eight, your Mizella, or whatever you call it, the, the midfield person who controls the game, does the passes. Uh, like your old Zavis, your Skulls, your players like that who are very fluid. Like Pjanic when he was at Roma. Yeah, Pjanic, exactly. Or Pizarro, right? That was Pizarro. Mm, or yeah. That you can operate in tight spaces, you can shift around, you can straight passes, you can slow the game down because you can put your foot on the ball. And part of being able to put your foot on the ball means that you're not going to lose it. If people are going to come and try and tackle you, you can get past them. Not as in you're running like Messi to get through, but you can shift the ball into space whilst. And that's the word I'll just use. You know, the tempo, tempo, like tempo doesn't make sense. It's the rhythm. It's when you're on the ball, the people who are off ball know which move, and they know that they can move. They know that you can buy a bit of time. It's uh, if you watch NFL. I don't know if you watch American football. The, the you know, each possession is about a. Yeah, this position is about yeah a quarterback. If they're not running the ball, it's about a quarterback throwing the ball, right? And it's this tempo between how long can you hold on to the ball before someone gets open without being tackled. And you know it's normally you have to hold it between three and five seconds. And the longer you can hold it, the further your player can go. So if you get tackled within two seconds, it means that the wide receivers don't have that much to move. And they have to do their action quickly. But you have five, if you have five seconds, you can get 40 yards, and so the play can be bigger. And that's the same thing as a midfielder. You have to be able to buy time so that the rhythm of the team is moving. Sorry, I'm being too detailed. Uh, no, but why, why don't we see this from Roma? Because yeah, so this is what I'm saying. These guys don't fit yeah. any of these archetypes. Cristante doesn't fit that archetype. Cristante doesn't fit that box to midfield archetype where you are you kind of did everything based talent is the fact that you you're intelligent and you know how to move spaces and then you have your number 10s your ozzles your bodyguards extremely talented bosses on the string and you can dance right your what pastor was meant to be for us and <laughs> like <laughs> no why did you bring the curse name up Come on. I love that guy. I'm sorry. I'm always, I'm always That's football, right? For all the tactics. Like what makes it all worthwhile is the 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 people who bring magic to football and Pizarro brought magic to football. Even whilst even they did nothing for us. Yeah, just yeah. every game I saw him play, I appreciated it. Yeah, yeah. I mean Pastore um he had this stretch with Fonseca where we were like, we have nobody to play. We literally have nobody to pitch. We will play with 10 men if Pastore doesn't play. And he was like, all right, let's play. And then he had he played for like, what, two months? Eight, eight games straight? Yeah, before he got it was like one of the, like the was... last time the team was won. I remember that stretch. For me, that's the last time the team was won. He was like bossing it. He was dominant. Yeah. 
That was that was, that was, that was gorgeous. Oh, I need to think about that time. I think uh, yeah. part of the we had not to play. Lorenz had been injured. I think he had been injured in the derby, and he missed those two months. And so we had to play uh, Mancini in midfield. And we oh. suddenly had Pastore. He had Mancini. So Mancini is this very fluid defender. Spray passes and is very quick. In as much as is a nutty to be in an asylum. Uh, I love that guy. And then you have Pistaro. And so suddenly we looked like a modern team. We had like those foundations in there. And that's why we had like that good two months. Every game was attending. I think we won most of them. But more than that, the football yeah. looked right. And that's the last time the football looked right with this team. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Um, I think after that we kind of collapsed. If that was Fonseca's second season. Yeah. I'm not sure, I actually can't remember. I think it was. Yeah, because you went back to the just... same players and you got stuck in the same kind of system. And it's now shoehorning people who should play over like what's best for your team. It's it's difficult with a coach. And, you know, like the more you understand, they really don't have... You really need like the big personalities who just come in. And they have a complete mandate to do whatever they want to do. So you think Fonseca was too respectful of the players? <laughs> By the end, it was clear he was. Yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of the the impression I got. Like I remember those days when I, Fonseca is one of my favorite coaches ever because yeah. just because his behavior and his demeanor, everyone who met him was like, "This is the best person I've ever met in my life." He was so polite. He was taking all the bullshit uh, questions from all of the Italian journalists, and he was like super serious about trying to answer the best he can. Meanwhile, Spalletti would just like start a flame war with them and <laughs> insulting them and yelling at them, and and Fonseca is like amazing. And then like. After a while, they're like, how exactly does this dude get respect from his players? Like, how do you... Tell... You can't be nice to Jacko and ask him to run back. He's not going to do that. Like, mm. you need to yell at him. And then kind of... Uh, but I actually wanted to touch on that as well. I remember... Well, not remember really. Even nowadays, most people thought Fonseca's era was really horrible football. For me, I wanted to touch on that because for me, that was really fun. Mm. It was every different chess because Roma just did not know what to do with the ball. We didn't concede, but we oh, just hadn't, okay. had no idea. Horrible. I mean, all of everything has been horrible. Yeah, but after him, Fonseca was like, mm. we would just need to score more goals than the opposing team. And then we did. Mm. And it was like, okay, we we'll go from not scoring to just not scoring the opponent. And that for me was fun. That was watch. That's the Roma I grew up on. Yeah. Just please make it attractive. I don't care exactly. if you don't play you defense, it just make it fun to... You know, like, you give it moments, right? You, you want the game to yeah. have moments. And so uh, he came in, you know, with that uh, from Ukraine, right? From yeah, yeah, sure. And there was that system of his where you just overload teams. And, uh, and so, uh, and I think... He simply lacked to, like his teams are like use they require people who move the ball very quickly and who move the ball with purpose. And the midfield was just never right again, except for those two months. Uh, yeah. And so I mean, to this day, 
Sorry. Yeah, I'm saying by the end he had like switched to a very defensive system, which kind of just didn't make sense for his football. So it was all kind of going to fall apart because now he was just like concerned about results. And he actually did well that last year, right? The year I think it was affected by COVID. Yeah. Uh, uh, the first know, year was affected by COVID. The first year was affected by COVID, and then in the second year, yeah. he um, he was way ahead of this I might be wrong. You might be right. You're probably right. My memory is not great. Yeah, I I was like looking at this up recently, so I kind of have a fresh memory, I guess. Um, it, before he left, he lot like he didn't win for I think eight games straight or ten games or something like that. Like the, f the end of the season was just horrible. But before that, we've lost only like three games or something to big teams, of course, and everything else was just a convincing win. Like he was stump. That's the thing that I hate about this current Roma. Fonseca was able to stomp teams with Borja Mayral, Carlos Perez as a replacement for Zaniolo, who didn't play for two years, <laughs> and like Jordan Vera too, and that's it. Like, uh, yeah, defense was the same as this one, but was it? Kumpula was starting because Ibanez was kind of not reliable. Mancini was this kid that Atalanta was like, please take him, <laughs> we don't care for him. And nobody knew why. And then he's this guy who slaps his teammates. So like, oh, that's why. <laughs> the Bruno Perez days. Was Bruno Perez gone? He left that summer, didn't he? Yeah, Bruno Perez had uh, that first season with Fonseca, I think, yeah. where Florenzi was starting and then Fonseca, Fonseca gave him the captain's armband and then said, well, you can't play anymore because you're shit. And then started Bruno Perez, who had... Uh, no, he started Karsdorp. Karsdorp got injured, and then he had to start Bruno Perez, yeah. who started playing football of his life. <laughs> yeah, and it got very awkward. But that's the problem, yeah. right? It's, uh, so, because we're Roma, we have this tendency to give uh, the local boys the captaincy. And the thing is, it made sense with Totti, because Totti was the best player, right? And he was charismatic, and it made sense with De Rossi, because again, he's a generational player. And he was also of that mentality. So when he came through, this is, I'm at 21 at that World Cup, De Rossi is one of the best players at the World Cup. You can see there's a separation. Yeah, yeah. You then equate like the personality and the talent and also being from the city to, you know, he came through the ranks. And so the next group of uh, players who, who came through uh, Roma were not the most talented, were not the best. It was like the hardest working personality. Uh, Florenzi won it over because of the hard work he put in and the workmanship. And there's a difference between a star player and a role player. Lorenzo, same thing, didn't have the quality, but he runs his heart out. And yeah. now, if, and those spots are not guaranteed spots. Every spot in a soccer team, you're competing for it. The only people who nail down spots are your superstars, your De Rosses, your Tottis. And now when yeah. you nail down, you give someone captaincy, you nail them down. And then you have that problem that Manchester has had for so long. You can't just get rid of Maguire because he's now the England captain and he's the club captain. And, you know, like, he's uh, 
bear so much expectation from the whole nation as opposed to uh this person hasn't played well he's one of the 10 people who hasn't played well in that position that we replaced but now we can't replace you right uh and there was there's a rumor there i'm sorry there's a rumor that mcguire might be coming to roma along with the hair because united wants to get rid of them and uh people are saying that mcguire is not really that bad as much as he's simply a meme and that it's kind of got into his head but when he's when he wants to be good he's actually really good and that he would be good in italy so <laughs> I, I would like to hear your thoughts on that because I kind of tend to agree, but at the same time, my inner um, meme-hungry Romanista is—I don't know—that's so, <laughs> terrifying. Saying McGuire. Well, I'm <laughs> a United know. fan, so uh, yeah. And United and Roma's the trials and tribulations mirror each other, and the common factor there is Marina, but. Uh, Maguire is not Maguire is very slow right and he's he's slow running he's turns like a bus and he's also <laughs> slow in terms of processing and passing you know he seems like he's very cultured you know he's got that thing where he like hits a ball in front of him and he's scanning the whole field and is ready to launch a long ball and he can probably do it accurately but part of that is just to show he needs that much time right to make his mind up and again the game has just got so much faster even in italy you look at your napolis so i think in england when you're top team you have to play a lot higher which means the defenders don't have that much time on the ball and they also have a lot more space to cover so that's why players like martinez lorenzo martinez are so good even though they're small because fluidity turning being fast it's all yeah. a lot more important and the thing has been that italy has been a lot slower than england and that used to be the case but it's not anymore i mean obviously england football is still a lot more alto skelter but yeah italian teams they press a lot. They don't, they don't defend anymore. They don't defend. Yeah, they don't. Like yeah. you, you, you won't find even bottom feeder teams to defend. They just attack nonstop. That's why. That's why I'm a fan of Thiago Motta because he just takes everything that he's yeah. given, whatever. And he turned Bologna into this giant slayer. Like they're what eighth or something. Yeah, they yeah. had a good general manager for a while. I remember when they started buying yeah. like all these, you know, the highly touted young guys that a lot of scouts talk about as opposed to just randomly adding your you know like passing garbage around and disrespectful to professional players but yeah in the metaphysical sense i guess i don't know same same goes for i mean sasola kind of started it of those mid-table teams that started gathering talent but now you have salernitana you have monza you have uh, Udinese, Bologna, Atalanta, all these teams in Italy who seemingly have more clue how to organize a football team than all the top teams. Yeah. You you know, you shouldn't just be planning for tomorrow. Be planning from years from now. Particularly as a small team, that's the best way to get out of uh, a mid-table team. You hit on one of these people and, you know, like you'll sell them for 50 million and then that allows you to even out or that yeah. provides your team the edge to go and be, 
like push for a challenge or something like that, like what happened to Leicester City. But that yeah, but Jimmy Orton, right? Because if you get it wrong, you get it wrong. But Roma, they feel like the only time you should be okay. Uh, we can't swing like that for young players. We need experiences because you already have players in, inside the club that you think get you to a base level where you can compete. And Roma doesn't have that, so I don't know why they keep bringing in experienced players. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, uh, do you have any any like players that you really want to see on Roma? I don't know if you watch any other leagues or how much you pay attention to that due to your uh, busy schedule. But is there anyone that like, comes to mind that you just want to see replacing no matter who on the team? Uh, I mean, the the unrealistic one is uh, the Bayern <laughs> kid, right? Musiala. Mus- yeah. Musiala. Yeah, he is Jamal. Just in terms of someone you'd love to watch play regularly. And, you know, I was hoping Bayern would be stupid enough to like not use him much and then he forces a move like Cruz or something to a smaller club and they get to use him for a few seasons. Uh, I mean, he would be the dream. But then, uh, in terms of... I think the first thing is to get rid of Cristante because Lorenzo is going to walk a lot longer. Uh, you get rid of Cristante, you bring in, you know, like a Rodri-type player and there are quite a few. The, the problem is, like, it's the top teams that keep going for them. It's... They, they all seem to have smartened up. Uh, there is a there is a kid from from PSV, uh, Sangare, yeah. and he I swear to God he does not know how to kick the ball. He knows how to retrieve the ball. Yeah. He knows how to play defense. He does not know no, how to control yeah, the ball. I've, I've, I was uh, I, I've seen rumors about him. I think particularly with England, and I saw him. Oh yeah, yeah, he costs he costs sixty million. Yeah, because he's a defensive midfielder. Yeah. Anytime a defensive midfielder no, shows up, so all the big teams are like... The guys who are fluid and you can, you can yeah. move the ball. Yeah. There's, you, you know the guy who ended up from Fulham went to Napoli? And he's just been dominating Aguiesa or something like that. Aguiesa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's like that prototypical... You know, he can buy time on the field and he can spray the ball. I don't know. I, the thing is, I don't watch as much football as I used to, because uh, you know everything I watched was always related to Roma. But I don't get to see these guys often. It's it's when the big games on the Champions League, and uh, I watch most of our games is just uh, when they're in Europe. Those European nights, they they seem to be fun. They are now, I guess, because there was this period of uh, Real versus Barcelona, and it was getting really boring. It was fun the first maybe year and a half, mm. but uh, then it just everything became all about that. And then Jose and Pep started traveling around Europe, and all they did was just bring in their style with them, and it just turned into this... I don't know, a fiesta of Spanish players everywhere. And like the team that had more Spanish players would just win Champions League. It was just boring. Now it kind of feels like many teams have different approaches and ideas. And everything is like every single player on the field plays a tactical battle. Mm. I don't remember that being the case for a long time. Not since the old days, maybe. Yeah. So it's kind of fun again. No, so that. 
Yeah, it really does feel like that. It, it, it feels like you're now watching like these very complicated chess matches. And yeah. uh, there's a lot less personality in football. Right? It's you, You're not going to see... Is that a bad thing? <sighs> it's weird because, you know, as a coach, you're seeing them... Players play a lot smarter. And... It's just like a lot, you don't have like bad teams anymore. And that's fun. And and it's fun to see like, yeah, everything is tough. But yeah, it is a bad thing, I think, because you, you know, like, I think that's also part of why Pastore failed the second time. It's football that passed them. Like those old artists, there, there isn't, they don't have the canvas there for them to to express themselves anymore. It's you all yeah. kind of have to do the same thing. All the moves are telegraphed, you know. Like you go and you YouTube them and you learn it. And so yeah. I was actually thinking about that. Does that mean that Totti would not be Totti nowadays? Ah, uh, absolutely. Like number ten is dead. The closest you get to it is a Dybala. But what I remember of Totti after he turned 30, after that year when Luis Enrique told him, you're too old to play now, mm-hmm. he started being all over the pitch. Like his role was to be open. It doesn't matter where, to, to a defender, to a right back, to a left back, to a left winger. Totti was always right there to receive the ball. Like mm-hmm. He wasn't just standing as a number 10 in the middle waiting. Well, he, he was, was never as number 10 in the middle anyway, right? He... The great thing about Totti was he always was able to, to get the ball, get the ball in, in space and take the ball under pressure. Yeah. You don't think there's anybody who plays nowadays similar to that, like Hakim Ziyech maybe or... No, no. Not still okay. playing. No, I mean, like, you, you, you see what's happened to Ziyech. <laughs> I mean, you see Maris, how little he plays, and he's like one of the most talented people. Uh, and, you, you know, with some level of uniqueness in his game, or, you know, like you bring some level of personality into all the little things that he does. Right. Um, so there's, there's a different thing I want to ask to derail a bit. Um... What what do you make of Tammy Abraham? Is he horrible? Is he does he have potential? <laughs> what do you think about him? Because people want his head. No, so uh, you know, I remember when we signed him, and and I said, you know, like I didn't think it was smart because he, he's you know like that kind of Welbeck archetype, you know, tall, <laughs> lanky, quick. And can side for the ball, uh, but outside of that, like there's there's nothing special about his game. He's not like he's not so fast, uh, you know, like that he can get past his defender easily. He's not so good that he can overpower his defender like Haaland, because if and he's not like skillful on the ball in a way where he can uh, create for himself. And so he's just another striker that you kind of need to feed. And then it's going to be about whether or not he's finishing them. 
and like that's uh, someone who's like finishing his side footing means he's not like exactly a clinical finisher he's not going to hit the ball hard enough to always get it in uh, or accurately enough or have something in how he finishes that can reliably fool a keeper and so that XG right. can be temperamental you know there'll be if the team is playing well and uh, he's lucky he's going to score 20 goals or otherwise 10 but there's nothing if you reach a yeah 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 I see what you mean I mean I, I mentioned some time ago in the I think Char said that Char didn't you say that you play this on your football manager that you play without a striker or something like that yeah I play with a false time I mentioned that we should just sell Tammy Abraham and just play without him because what, what's a striker going to do in Mourinho's team? But, uh, <laughs> like, just what, press backline? That's her job? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Tammy has been lately the guy who uh, we we set off to the sides to make a cross mm. to El Sharawi in the middle. Uh, we don't need a six foot six cyborg to do that. <laughs> we need the winger to do that. Yeah. Like I don't know, but uh, the rumors are that we're going to replace Tammy with either Icardi and Skamaka. And usually, okay, rumors are rumors, but these are kind of uh, these kind of make sense in a way, or at least fun to think about. Yeah, I mean, and it's, I'm not it's sure the same thing, right? It's Icardi. Yeah. <laughs> Like you're gonna have a lot more off ball, uh, off ground issues, but on on the yeah. field he's occupying the same space. is completely dependent on supply, except he seems to be a bit more reliable in terms of his finishing. He's got technique. He can hit the ball immediately and stuff like that. But yeah. you you're still then asking the team to be good enough to feed him. And is the team behind them good enough? It's not good enough to make its regress from last year because we lost Mkhitaryan and other people. Uh, and so, like, that doesn't did you? Did you, did you I, have to, I have to ask. Did you see the did that coming? Did you see the Mkhitaryan departure yeah. as a nail in the coffin? Uh, it's not necessarily. Yeah. It, it, it's difficult to say it's a nail in the coffin because I was like despondent before then. But I mean, him leaving, first of all, it made sense that he'd want to be in a different football situation. Uh, this team was better with Mkhitaryan and, and Veritar. A lot better. Uh, but they're not so good that they should be like foundationally changing anything. Right? So you can't say because they're gone, things are so much worse. Yeah. To be fair, Veritu was uh, kind of becoming a off-pitch head case as well. If I'm correctly, he traveled in the middle of COVID to his wife's birthday party and caught COVID <laughs> without team's permission. And I think that's where the team was like, okay, uh, you're an idiot, yeah. you won't be playing for us. And then he had like a car crash or something. And then it was like drunk or something like that, I don't remember. I remember Bruno Perish and someone else did. I yeah, think it was I remember when Bruno Perish, he was lambasted for it for so long. Public name, right? Yeah. But he's a—he seemed like a very flamboyant guy. He had that on his game, but again, it was coached out of him. 
I remember he yeah. told you he had so many all the little things that he did. You know, he, he was like a winger. Uh, but by the second season, none of that. He did none of that. So you actually mentioned you're a coach. I wanted to ask about this. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been wondering, just occurred to me. Is it an actual real thing that when a coach comes in or when a player comes in, the players are going to be kind of playing really well just because they're not being coached yet. They don't understand the system yet. And as they're being coached, they get worse because they just don't fit the coach or they don't fit what the coach is trying to do with them. Like, is that actually a thing? Yeah, no, or how long does it take a player? It's definitely a thing. So it's a combination of... It, it, so one, everyone kind of wants to be able to play well and has their strengths and whatever weaknesses. And so everyone has certain tactics that they prefer. And it's like with Maguire, if he plays in a deep three, uh, where he's deeper, his, he can seem like a very good player. So if a coach is forcing you to do something, eventually, you know, you can hide and kind of keep doing what you want to do. Uh, and the guys of I don't know for the first few months because there's a bit more latitude in terms of okay you need to have got this right you need to have got this right and your replacement basically has to be able to do one follow exactly what the, the other what you, you the coach wants and so eventually the coach will then just go and move into and play someone else uh, and so that little gap that's given uh, is about the first month and a half, two months. So it's not just about have they got everything, but it's also I can get away with something. And a team can still win when they're playing comfortably because they're doing what they were doing before. But it doesn't mean that uh, what they're transitioning into, they'll, they'll be good at. And if they don't get the buy-in, what normally happens is year two or three is when you start to see start to see what the coach wanted because that's given them the time to get rid of people and that happens at any club right yeah 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 i guess um it's just kind of stupid last year we looked really good everyone was saying like what is what are people talking about Jose is a great coach look we're playing so well there is no defending on this team only attacking and then this season everybody has regressed like I don't know people say Ibanez was has has progressed this season while he has progressed so much he doesn't play anymore um he's cost us two derbies with Lazio he's just making these boneheaded plays like everyone else just worse so it's that every role on on the field is so much more difficult and tactically it's so much easier to put pressure on people so you then lose those moments so something that Mkhitaryan did a lot was allow us to break a press because he could shift you know he like we win the ball back on the left side he'll go and pick it up in front of our box and he could turn his man so easily that they'll give him space and then that allows us to come out and everyone else has a bit more time to play the ball or it gets to the final third and then it can be rotated back to the defense once you don't have that once or veritable to a certain extent could do that as well 
you know, he had a lot of energy, he could like run with the ball and he was very quick in terms of moving off it, you know, he's not a person who needed to take a touch and think about it. And when you're now, the team is on the front foot defensively, like able to kind of run onto you because, you know, you can't beat that wall. It, it just makes everything so much tougher. And that's why you see one or two attacks every 40 minutes instead of like this fluid football, which keeps on getting attacks. Right. So you don't think there's anybody in this team right now that like you haven't seen anyone do that at all? Like not even Matic or one of the kids like Bove? Uh, no. So, I mean, the kids are exciting and everything, but I don't know. They seem hesitant <laughs> and... You know, like it's similar with even De Rossi and Aquilani when they came through. It they almost don't want to get in again into the rhythm or the flow of the game. It's just uh, I want to be able to be seen to do certain things just so that I can keep playing. And so that's why you keep, see them in the box. They'll kind of just run in the end. They'll shoot and they'll score a goal every now and, now and then. But in terms of controlling a game, in terms of like constantly demanding the ball, they, they they're deferring, so you can't you don't see that. And yeah, I mean I don't see any ability to kind of shield hold the ball and turn people consistently. Not yet. It's a bit like Zamora though. You know, like it took a while for him to show that much personality. Uh, for who? Zaniolo. I didn't hear. Zaniolo. Yeah. Zaniolo. Oh my god, I have to ask, what do you make of that? Ah, of the sale? I mean, <laughs> again, it's controversial because I remember saying, <laughs> you know, like the two things I worried about him because everyone was getting very excited. And it's weird because before people were getting excited, you know, you say, oh, look, this is exciting because his physical attributes are so much better than everyone else. Whatever happens, He's gonna have a high ceiling. He, he'll he'll kind of be special. And then you watch. You know, like there's a boneheaded play. He never quite figures out that he has to play with other people. And yeah, he's kind of in as strong as he is, and in as much as he can move into spaces. So this is at a technical level. He doesn't know how to get into positions where he can be effective. And since he's not looking, it's not going to go anywhere. And so then I was like, okay, no, th- th- this isn't going to work because that's st- stuff that's difficult to teach. It's not something you learn because you play more and more and more. You have to fundamentally understand the game that way. And then there's the stuff with Keen and stuff like that with the national team where he just seems like he's an idiot. Uh, so after a while, you, you know, you just like, okay, it's fun because you can win this matchup one day, but he's not going to be someone who's going to change a team. Is it a problem nowadays that like more kids are not really serious about being footballers, but kind of like, I'm a footballer, I made it, I just want to go play games now and party with my best friend? Or is that has that always been a thing? Well, you know, like... That's the thing, right? We all turn into boomers. We all turn into like our grandfathers <laughs> who are like, oh, no, but in my day. And like, there's definitely now a generation which is different from us or different, sees the world in a different manner. And I mean, it's 
the point of that is the world changes so much, right? That everyone experiences it in a different way. Each generation. I mean, it has. Yeah, nobody, nobody could have prepared us for social yeah. media. Like, our, our, our parents could have prepared us for like, you know, you have to study to become successful and stuff. How do you handle social I mean, media? You, like, that's a, that's I mean, a we struggle huge... with it a lot more because we remember life without it. But the younger generations, for them, it's normal. And so that just kind yeah. of warps their perspective. And so that's why we have, a, oh, in our day, because in, we can say in our day, like this didn't exist. And so we have our day, which yeah. is radically different. And yeah. So I, it's kind of funny when. Uh, yeah, it makes you appreciate stuff more. It does. I mean, it it really felt different. It felt like I back in the day of of Del Piero and mm. Christian Vieri and Totti and Montella and uh, you had these players who were building their identity on the pitch. Yeah. You knew them as this amazing player. Now players are kind of like. It's all about the hair. It's all about the shoes. It's all about my uh, what you post on Instagram, the drama with your ex. Like people know more about your personal life than they do about your football yeah, skills. But even this footballing skills, right? It's the same thing. Like, what's the difference between Bappe and Rashford? And it, outside of yeah, he's quicker, and so he can get the shot off. It's like they're all just doing the same thing. They have the same moves. There isn't any personality in terms of what they're doing. You know, like, you're not going to watch it and see something. Ronaldinho was different from Zidane. Figo had his own moves and personality. Beckham, same thing. You, you don't really have one now. You don't, like, switch on. Hey, if I'm watching uh, Liverpool, I'm definitely going to see something that I'm not going to see if I'm watching Arsenal. Is that, a, is that a thing that's only in football nowadays? Or is it across all sports uh, I don't know I don't so basketball still has a lot of personalities and I suppose it's uh, other sport I watch a lot now but you're a Warriors fan yes, if I'm, I'm a Warriors mistaken. fan and yeah every player is like very specific and the same thing with tennis right uh, mm -hmm. you like Carlos Alvarez is like he has a very specific personality on the court and is very different from like a Medvedev. And Djokovic, you know, like he's, he's very different from Nadal. So everyone has, everyone has something. Yeah, brand. and you know, if you're watching Nadal, you're going to see a certain type of shots, a uh, certain type yeah. of personality. But yeah, soccer just feels the same. I mean, I keep saying that the era was better 20 years ago because the players were just better. They were higher quality. They were every team had like multiple stars. Like yeah. you could go to Bologna, to Empoli, to Regina, or whoever was playing back then, and every every one of them had like this one player who you had to watch out yeah. for. So like okay, social media happened, travel happened, more lang people know English nowadays from like birth. So okay, moving is not a problem anymore. People don't mind moving. Salaries are different. It's not like at Bologna I make hundred thousand a year. At United, I would make 150, so that you say, okay, it's not worth moving. Like now, salary differences are there, but I feel a little bit like simply it's because the players grew. I feel like it's because 
all this quality has become so analyzed over the years that people have said you can teach these players these like skills that all-time players mm. had and we can base our football about like around it it's kind of like a watered down version with like multiple tasks for each player because like you, you you couldn't ask Totti to play defensive midfield 20 years ago you just he was you know playing his position he was a 10 but nowadays everyone defends with 11 everyone attacks with like eight players at least i don't know it it, it feels like it just kind of got studied and developed to the point where it doesn't allow for players to have personalities i should say i don't know i might just, just be saying stupid stiff, stiff stuff no 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 i i think you are right right so i mean we remember everyone raging on about globalization when we were younger and thinking no man that's like natural or whatever it is and there's like a lot i mean right now you know like that curiosity that you had as a kid isn't there because anything you can think of you can punch into your phone and you're instantly going to know what it is uh anything that you want to learn you can punch it into youtube and you'll see a video showing how how to do it and so everything is accessible uh you know you can watch if you all of kobe's highlights and do the same shots you know, if you're American football, you can watch Brady and practice the same throw or Peyton Manning and you can listen to the masterclasses and everything. And so what that does is it strips away identity. And yeah, at a club level, right, what happens is you each club will have a certain philosophy and that's why you see teams doing certain things. And... After a while, ideas come in. And I remember even with Manchester, right, Carlos Curios came through. And he was one of the first people to bring like that continental style of football into, um, into the UK uh, uh, after Arsenal, after, after Arsene Wenger. And we started to see like this gradual shift in how everyone started playing, starting with United. And it was five years after that, everyone started playing the same way, right? So there's someone who's ahead of the curve and then everyone catches up. Uh, but eventually there was nothing that's left a mystery because people would go and speak to Piazza because it felt so much different from what was happening in Europe. But once everyone had access to absolutely everything, right, it's all optimized into one thing. And so you don't appreciate its individuality. I just love that you're able to, to get all these thoughts out fluently without just stopping, pausing for a moment. Jesus. Um, cool. It's, so what exactly are, we, are teams modeling themselves after nowadays? Like, what does a team that's like Milan or Inter, who are now in the semifinals of the Champions League but can't beat Torino, what are they modeling themselves after? Or are they just doing the same thing Roma is? Just no. get any scraps and hoping it. So, I mean, I feel like they're all in like that kind of same, you know, Pep school. Uh, modern teams right are all kind of trying to do the same thing it's all about occupying space uh mm -hmm. keeping things tight and having enough quality to 
to create chances. And so they, what they do is, or it's not necessarily what they do, is they just have the right players. They're, they have the right archetypes and they've got enough quality around that. The quality is not so overwhelming that they can consistently do well in Europe, but it works. Right, you, you, they have very good defenders. The defenders can play the ball out. They can space out. They've got uh, decent fullbacks. They're not the greatest. Their midfielders have those archetypes of the hard-working, the hard-tackling, very tactical centre-back, uh, not centre-back, central midfielder. The two midfielders who can buy time and who can pick up passes and then uh, in the front line, they've got guys who are either very accurate, very good, or very powerful. And it all balances out. And if you know you can defend and you've got enough quality going forward, you have enough uh, to win more encounters or not. And, you know, like someone like... Liao or Martinez can are special enough to like produce something of quality every now and then. Uh, otherwise, you can use their gravity or the space that they create uh, for other people to fill in because you just have intelligent players, so it's all balanced out. In Europe, like the top sides have more than you, so you, you're unless you have a lucky draw, you can get through. Uh, but. We've had a hell of a lucky yeah. draw this year in Europa League. Yeah, so uh, it, it's how you build a modern team and then, you know, you hope someone becomes special. Napoli got once, uh, you know, like, uh, they've got two special people who are now going to be taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are they? Yeah, I think it's the normal market talk, right? You just up the price. Part of why they why they sell better than we do is they act like they don't have to sell. We are always, oh, we have to comply with the FFP, so come get everything on a discount. Well, the, yeah, their their owner, CEO, mm. president, whatever guy says that they don't have to sell yeah. anybody and they won't sell yeah. because they don't have any, any, any debt, which, why can't we just go bankrupt and go play in Serie 2D? to the fact that we've always been trying to also build a stadium and I don't know there might be some legal implications yeah I guess that would be stupid but still I envy them they just have no doubt um, actually there's like a million topics I want to talk about now but <laughs> I kind of want to let you go soon let me let me let me ask you this um, what do you predict from our Europa League run? Are we going to beat Leverkusen or is that a... No, I think we can beat Leverkusen. Uh, the, the good thing about the cup runs, right, with Mourinho, like, again, he's very good at those because he knows how to neutralize a, a side. And then, mm-hmm. like, you make the game boring enough, you... the These teams, like, I think they have, like, that Wetzel guy... And outside of that, everyone else is, you know, there's not a lot there. So you can prepare your team for that. And you can steal a goal or two. And so I think we're one of the favorites, actually. I think Juve are going to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, if they get past Sporting, but I think they will. Sporting have kind of been lucky that other teams are not too interested in this cup. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, as much as I hate watching Jose's Roma in Serie A in, in Europa League, it's 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 actually fun because you know exactly what he's trying to do, and there is no defending from it. Like, unless you're a really experienced coach, you there is no way you can tell your team, "Hey, so Roma is going to do this and this and this. We need to prepare mentally for their attack at 70th plus minute, whatever." And that's exactly what's happening. It's really simple to see. So you have yeah. to be either a lot better than them or a lot more patient. And uh, like Marina teaches patience. It's uh, There's nothing you can do to kind of break me down. So will you get frustrated and make a mistake? Yeah. And normally teams do. I thought he messed up with uh, Dybala against uh, Feyenoord, mm. that he put him on way too late. Uh, I mean, yeah. the 89th minute goal is... No, uh, you can say it worked, but like, like Jesus, it. 89th minute. No, I don't <laughs> yeah. really like it, but uh, I mean, that's the thing with cup runs. You, we, keep, we keep getting lucky and at, at some point you just gotta say, okay, we play with luck. Like, it's, it's, it's on our side and I guess it's part of our identity, as you say, it's part of what we are like um that we just somehow create those situations where we get lucky i guess in cups mm. uh unless we're playing cremonese apparently <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was weird and you know the funny thing is that's one of the games i decided to watch <laughs> I was like, oh we're doing well we're doing well actually no let me see maybe it's, something's changed and no it was <laughs> so that's another thing you know you become superstitious so every time I would sit down to actually watch a game and it would just kind of turn to shit. And every time you kind of just scoreboard watch, they're winning. So you're like, okay, now I'm going to scoreboard watch. <laughs> like Billy Bean from Moneyball. Just turn your phone off yeah. in a couple of seconds. Hear the crowd roar, be like, oh shit, no, 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 no. Don't concede now. <laughs> I didn't hear it. Uh, but yeah. Um, so away from football, what do you what do you think about... I, I, I swear... We're, we're gonna be closer soon i just want to ask you about the warriors uh last year everyone was saying they're done everyone was talking about phoenix going back to the finals and whatever clippers lakers what i had a friend from san francisco who's a warriors fan and i kept telling him dude you guys are gonna win the title they don't care they don't care about the regular season nobody does when the playoffs yeah. start warriors are gonna stomp because that's how it was with the celtics and went in the big three era in 2008 9 10. They just didn't care about regular season that much. Yeah. So this season, however, um, there's been some drama with the Warriors. They're <laughs> yeah. They're interesting. Oh, this is oh. Draymond Green started the season by punching. <laughs> it's uh, the the difference also right with American sports and what the salary crap and that does. Right. In soccer, we don't have the system where we essentially rank everyone by their salary tag. Once you're on the team, right, you could be like Emerson, where he's earning the least on the team and you are the most important player. Yeah. If you're good, you're good. Right. In basketball, every renewal season, right, creates a hierarchy. So if you're an MVP like Steph, you then take one third of the salary. That means you're by far the most important player. And so that just creates a different dimension. So even if another coach comes in, you know, like 
we've made this investment and that creates different player dynamics. And so that just creates a whole different vibe and the team, uh, yeah, well, obviously what happened with Jordan Poole and Draymond, but that kind of shook off the team and then it, you know, like it shakes off rhythm of the team and stuff like that, particularly when they're away. Because they're still one of the best teams. If you look at the home record, they've won so many matches, right? They're yeah. like the second or third best. But whenever they go away from home, right, that's where you rely a lot more from like the rest of the squad and stuff like that. And you keep losing those situations, so you're just not as connected. And that starts with like those internal ripples. But the problem, the, I don't even know if it's a problem. You eventually have to. It's the life cycle of every team. They had to invest more into uh, their younger players, Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kamenga, and Moses Moody, and Wiseman, because they had so many lottery picks. That's how you balance out the salaries. And so they let go of people like Gary Payton and Arthur Porter Jr., yeah. who were very important and Bay Lidza. Very important, yeah. I actually grew up uh, with Bielitsa, a couple of years younger than him, but we played together, and 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 uh, I lived like hundred meters away. <laughs> so it was oh, funny. Nice. I, 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 I love that guy. He is so fun to watch. He's so talented as well. Yeah, because no, so you know, like once you understand, you're like, no, but this is one of the most talented people in the league. He just doesn't have, you know, he's not as athletic, and so. Those things are overvalued. Uh, it's like with football. Part of the problem is the development side of things where personality gets eroded. What's emphasized is athleticism. So the people who can run 15Ks, you know, in 90 minutes uh, or h- however long it is, uh, become more valuable. The, the quicker people, because the game is so much quicker and so much more athletic, uh, the players with personality get weeded out. Anyway, with the Warriors, sorry, yeah. I'm speaking a lot. No, no, uh, just... <laughs> with the Warriors, what ends up happening is, right, uh, they rely on Jordan Poole and he's not as good as people thought. Uh, or he doesn't take the next step. But they, it's more chemistry issues. So it, it feels like they had... One... Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, and they could win. I mean... They they are one of the best teams. They have like the best uh, net rating for their starting five. It's just there are very few teams. It you know like a lot of teams go through a lot of shit. There's just very few teams that have lost when they have so many chemistry issues. Uh, and what they'll have to decide in the summer is who to get rid of and who not to so that they have that same balance of vibes, because that was also their advantage. They were never the most talented team, except during the uh, KD years. They just had the, you know, the sum of all their parts was like greater than everyone else, and right now it isn't. And yeah, they had Curry to just elevate everyone else. He, his his yeah, impact no, I mean, was just absurd. Yeah. Curry is, he's right there with LeBron as the best of this era. It's just that... Yeah, yeah. Because he didn't, uh, he came into the league older and he wasn't as good early. 
that's not appreciated. But he's actually dominated. Like he's he's been more of the face of the league than LeBron. So he's very special. Yeah, yeah. Like even with LeBron, one person doesn't win. I mean, we should have won so many Serie our titles just because we're totty. There's a lot more that you have to do around. And the Warriors and Roma are like parallels, right? It's one got that right, the other got that horribly wrong. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of like the way I say Curry, he didn't change much since he joined the league. He's the same player, but the league has kind of recognized how you have to play that you need this one like the league was trying to become more about all the big three the creating yeah. a starting five that was just impenetrable and playing together and ubuntu but then curry came in and he was like no you just gotta create space and give me the ball when i when i'm open just give me the ball and everyone do their roles and i'll lead you guys just follow that's it he just yeah, makes the game is very simple yeah, he I does mean, keep it very that's that's why you now have guys like Jokic, like like uh, Sabonis, who are kind of the same. As in, they just want to elevate yeah. their their team teammates. And they so I mean, Jokic, he's the MVP, right? And he should have like this year would have been MVP if he actually wanted it. And <laughs> it's like three years, and he's the least athletic person who plays regularly. Yeah. and that's just because he understands the game. He understands space. So if you watch him, right, you won't understand why your team is losing, why the other team keeps getting easy shots. What he the what he does is he optimizes each position. He just keeps making the right pass. If you get out of position, he's going to put the ball where somewhere isn't. And part of it is his teammates know to keep running because they know if I keep setting screens and if I keep flaring off, do the work the ball will come yeah yeah just do something to be do something good something good will mm. happen it doesn't matter what Jokic is going to read what's happening because i keep saying you, you can't prepare for Jokic. how are you going to prepare for yeah. a guy who reads the game of basketball play by play like he makes no, a play i mean so that's why <laughs> if they meet the warriors like the warriors can stop that right because one they're disciplined enough to do it they've done it before and they can slow him down, but you also have to solve the problem with Steph Curry the other side. But that's the thing at this stage is, is your unbeatable guy better than my unbeatable guy? And can we limit your unbeatable guy more? And that's what Golden State were able to do with Jokic, with Luka, and with Tatum. Yeah. Uh, and that's where they normally, you know, having so many people of the same size... Iguodala and them, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, uh, Looney, mm-hmm. they can all switch on to different people. And Bielitsa was surprisingly able to do that. You know, like you'd get on Tatum, you'd get on Luka, and you'd be able to stop them. Yeah. A lot of teams can't do that. You can't yeah. put anyone on, on... If you put anyone like that on Steph, he's cooking them. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. There was like when the playoffs started, uh, when the final started... Curry just went off. Curry was just like shooting from anywhere. Celtics didn't yeah, adjust. They gave him like an ounce of speed. You can't give Curry more than that. He yeah. controlled the whole game. His shooting was the cherry on top. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It was kind of prime Rondo moments. But uh, it's funny when Vialica got to the Warriors, he finally got the spotlight because he was playing, what, for the Wolves before that? Or like a little bit for the for the Sixers, but no. Sorry, not the yeah, Sixers. He was like the Kings, actually. Yeah, okay. yeah. Nothing was happening. So, so, I mean, that's the thing with sports, right? A lot of it is also just so much about do you get the right opportunity at the right place? Yeah. It's 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 hilarious because when he got to the Warriors, people started paying attention to him, and everyone was like, "I don't like this dude's body language. He's so lazy. He's so uninterested." I'm like, "That's yeah. what he's been since he was eight years old." Yeah, like that's that's how he is. He doesn't. He looks like he doesn't care. He looks like he's too lazy to breathe. But when it comes I to basketball, he was just uh he he glide around the field. He also he's a bit like Jokic, right? Yeah. He knows where the ball should go. He knows how to attack space. He understands if people are not doing something right. It, basketball is all about balance and shape. And you get out of position even an inch and it can be attacked or you slip and you leave someone open. Having someone who has like the IQ to kind of just understand what's happening. Other people just see people running around. Right, yeah. and he kind of sees the play, and it's the same thing in football. Spider-Man. No, I've been holding on to a thought for twenty minutes. There, Greaves, you said that. <clears throat> what? You said that you wanted to see what Juventus would do against Sporting in the next round. Juve beat Sporting two one on aggregate yeah. in the last round. They faced Sevilla. You dumbass. Uh. I don't want to play finals against Sevilla for fuck's sake. Oh, God. They're getting uh, relegated from La Liga. Yeah, hey, we don't talk about Mochi. That's actually a great thing. <laughs> Let's not. Uh, screw that you guy. know, we should, we should, we should just uh, after the season is over, uh, if, you're, if you're up for it, I'll bring you up yeah. for another episode. We'll get drunk and talk about Mochi. Yes, no, no. That's <laughs> more than... Uh, that'll be my little therapy session. Yeah, I, I I honestly I honestly uh, thank you for your time. Um, I know you're busy, even though it's a Sunday. We have nothing to do, but yeah, you you got stuff going on. Uh, really, thank you for your time. Thank you for your thoughts. I really hope we can talk again sometime. So Wayne, thanks a lot, man. This this was really really great. Bye guys. See at times, I'm on be running like a brother gunning craze. On me for tease, every day, hunting justice like a cure for AIDS. Swing a spade, rhyme craze. I move strategic lyrics, blaze whenever heated on point. Inflaming MCs like joints and manufacturing. Reactions like the back end. Stay to my.